Okie dokie. What do we got here? Take the link, take one down, pass it around, post you there. Okay. <clears throat> Okie dokie. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, there we go. All set. Uh, apologies for the late start. Um, oh, I seem to have only streamed it to YouTube. Oh, well, too bad. <laughs> Shit. Anyway, uh, apologies for the late start. Um, we uh, had a bit of technical difficulties on my end. Uh, let me just repost the tweet we are in. Come on down. Um, strange. All right. All right. Let's just close that up. Okay. Anywho. Um, yeah, so a little bit of technical difficulties. You'll notice there's no blue screen behind me tonight. I couldn't get it, <laughs> couldn't get it going, but, uh, you know, such is life. And, uh, had a few problems getting my, getting my stream set up, but we're in and we're rocking. Uh, good evening. Uh, it is, what is the date today? April 28th. Hope you all had a wonderful week. Uh, this week I took a look at the following names. Uh, Jagger Furcus, Connor Geeky moved down a spot. Uh, Jack Hughes moved down a spot. Not that Jack Hughes, the other Jack Hughes. Uh, Pavel Mintukov down two spots. Uh, Matthew Savoy stayed the same. Owen Pickering down three spots. Sam Renzel up a spot. Removed Max Nemestnikov from my list. Uh, moved Brandon Lazowski down three spots. Jordan Gustafson stayed the same. And I believe Matt Lindgren stayed the same. Uh, and the Tyler Duke report is out. It came out today. Uh, the Vladimir Gradinin report will be out Monday, I want to say. There's two more reports in editing, and there's going to be two more filmed over the weekend. Uh, the film team will have uh, a piece out next week on one and on the one and only Simone Nemich. Um, so yeah, there's lots going on, lots on the move. There's going to be a couple of more scouting reports that will be ready to go into production after this weekend, uh, sometime next week. So look forward to those as well once those are complete. But yes, for now, uh, all patrons have access to the first four, and then five and six are on their way very, very shortly. Um, <clears throat> what is uh, what's going on? I guess we can jump right into some some questions because uh, uh, I'm sure there's lots to talk about. Uh, I'm sh uh, uh, a little birdie told me there was a pretty important hockey tournament uh, going on right now in Germany, so I've been trying to keep up with that as much as I possibly can. I will also say. I have not seen every single game that has been playing at, that, that has been played at this tournament. I probably will watch quite a lot of it between now and the draft, just not right now. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff going on that I've been I've been watching more of. Uh, and uh, bu -bu 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 -bu, what was I going to say? Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on between now and and then, and I just can't keep up with all the games going on at once, but uh, I've been watching it as much as I possibly can. Uh, so feel free to have your takes, but if I am not as informed on the tournament as you hope, I will be, I will, uh, I will blatantly tell you that uh, I, I have not seen Player X that you're asking about as much as you uh, might expect of me, so... Yeah, but I've been busy watching other guys and uh, and getting some videos going. So, uh, with that being said, let's get into some questions. Um, greetings, Pierce. What's up? Uh, Cutter Gauthier to Ottawa. Is it a reach at 5-10? to 10? I would say so, but not that crazy of a reach. I mean, I don't know. I, I think Cutter Gauthier at 5-10, to 10, it depends on who's available. But I think there's a pretty strong, I'd say seven or eight guys where I'm like, I probably would pick these guys over, over Kamel or not Kamel over, uh, over Cutter Gauthier. 
And beyond that, though, uh, I think Cotter Gauthier could have the argument of like a ninth or tenth pick. I could see it. I probably wouldn't do it, but I could see the argument. Like there's skill, really, really nice finish, really good, really, really good shooter as well. Um, solid pace, uh, but you know, again, I've I've seen him a lot and I still kind of struggle. Like he's one of these guys who in small spurts and in isolation does some really, really impressive stuff, but putting it all together over an entire game still is a bit of a question mark to me, but the skill is there. This is the finishing is there. The shot is there. There's a lot to like, um, there's a lot to like. So we'll see what happens with him. I could see him slide into the top 10, um, if it's Ottawa, I'm not sure. Like Ottawa doesn't really need any more wingers that shoot. Like you kind of got like Robbie Yarventi for that. Um, and, and um, amongst others, like Ottawa really needs someone up the middle. Like Frank Nazer almost is a guy that I think might be a better fit. If you're, if you're the Ottawa senators in that range. And I feel like the Ottawa senators fans would love a guy like that, but go chase fine too, I guess. Um, and I think that every single game I've seen go has been playing the wing. Uh, let me double check that to be sure. Cut. His name is Cut. Cutter Gauthier. Uh, yeah, he's been playing wing every game I've seen, so not much experience of, of at center for at least in my viewings. Brian, what's up? Uh, instead of asking about that stud, Joakim Kamel, I wanted to know if anyone at the 18s that have, that has been relatively unknown to you has surprised you. Uh, so again, I haven't seen every single game. Uh, Isaac Bourne on the Swedish team has looked really good uh, from the games I've seen. Um, he's kind of stuck out for me that I, and I had no idea who he was before this tournament. Um, why can't I view the stats for this league? Weird. Uh, whatever. I'll just keep it open. Um, Switzerland is bad. Latvia was not particularly good, even though if they beat Sweden, uh, Germany, I mean, Julian Lutz played pretty well from the games I saw, but nobody like jumped off the page to me for Germany. Canada, I don't think anyone really jumped off that team that I didn't expect. Some guys looked better than I thought they would, like Regar Lorenz kind of looked solid. I mean, a lot of guys were disappointing on that team, like Michael Mastro Domenico was kind of a guy. Um, Matthew Morden I was kind of curious about, and he was kind of a guy. Um, the Czechs, I didn't actually see that much of the Czechs, um, so I got to go back and look at them. The States... I mean, they're just a wagon. So I guess the only name that really I can definitely tell you is probably uh, Isaac Bourne on Sweden. And that's probably the only one. Tim Almgren also had some nice flashes over the games that I've watched. Um, and he's been on and off my list all year. Put him back on. But I, yeah, he's he's not he hasn't been like mind boggling. But Isaac Bourne is the guy that stuck out to me, I think. I think the most. Um, might as well take a quick moment to talk about Yuri Kulik. Yeah, I want, if only there was someone who was really high on Yuri Kulik all year, and now that he's at the under-18s, everybody's paying attention. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's scoring a lot of power play goals, but uh, I don't mind. He's been... Oh, there's the player stats. Okay, there we go. Um, but yeah, I mean... <laughs> do, do I think he's as good as a guy scoring two goals a game at this tournament? Nah. Um, but it does showcase that he is one heck of a shooter. Um... And, uh, yeah, so the puck's going in for him. I mean, I don't know. If you want to hear my thoughts on Yuri Kulik, I made a huge, giant video about him not too long ago. You can check out on the channel. But, I mean, he's doing what he does, which is shoot the puck. But he also, I mean, he's underrated in other areas of the game, too. Like, you know, 
I, I feel like he, of, of the Czech games that I have seen, he, in terms of just playing the game, he's been the best one on that team. Uh, Edward Chalet has been good as well. Um, who else is on that team? Yeah, Thomas Hamara, he's fine. Um, but yeah, Yuri Kulik has definitely stood out. He's a good, he's a good offensive guy. I think he's good defensively as well. Really smart, knows where to be, gets physically involved. And my whole thing with him is he's going to be as good as he is strong at the end of the day. Cause the shot is there. There's a lot to like. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm not particularly surprised that he's scoring a lot of goals considering I've been high on him all year. Uh, so that's just me patting myself on the back, but he's been very, very good. Uh, evening thoughts on Coca Delic and Justin Cote. Delic was on my list for a while. I think he made it onto my last ranking as a watch list guy. And I don't think I pulled him off after watching the U18s. Like I didn't really have that high expectations. Um, and he's, hasn't been like, he hasn't been bad at this tournament. I mean, Canada as a whole has been bad, but he hasn't been bad. It's just that he plays a style of play that I don't think projects particularly well. Like he's kind of small. He moves his speed a lot. Doesn't really go anywhere that quick. He's he's got some skill. It's just a lot of a lot of good things that you're looking for, but not a lot that's like enough of enough enough of a push to really make it worth drafting an undersized skill guy like Delic, volume playmaker, really sort of simple offense, which is fine. But um, yeah, I I don't know. I haven't I haven't I wasn't blown away with him at this tournament, and I mean I don't know part of the problem with guys like Delic is that you might get him in what the sixth round in the, in the, in the draft, like you might get him fifth, sixth round and you only hold on to his rights for two years. And you're hoping for like serious improvement over the next little while. I don't know. I could see him being a better junior player over, over time for sure. Um, you know, he's, he's got some playmaking vision. He's got some pace. He's got some skill. He can make it work. Uh, but I feel like there's a long way to go for him. And I don't know, I just, I just, I ended up like relative to what I was seeing out of a guy like Isaac Bourne. Um, uh, I, I ended up swapping those guys out and Justin Cote, I started the season loving the guy. Um, but I feel like he's going to be a guy that scores a ton of points in junior, like scores a ton of goals. Like he, he has a great shot, but he's a volume shooter from all over the ice. Um, has trouble generating speed. Like once the puck touches his stick, He's not the best passer. He can't really distribute the puck super well. But one and in the offensive zone, if he gets the puck, like I've seen him score goals, but a lot of those are like rebounds that he fetches in the corner and just like heaves on net. It hits the goalie in the butt and goes in the net. Like I saw a game where that happened, which you're not going to get away with that very often in the NHL. Um he does have good finishing skill. He's he's got great hands you know, a really, really good shot, but he just uses it all the time. And there isn't much else going on in this game that I feel projects super well. So he used to be pretty high on my list and then just kept falling down and down and down and down and down as the year went on. Uh, Cooley or Slavkovsky stock up uh, after the U18s. I mean, Cooley is on my top three and he will stay there. So he's not going anywhere for me. Uh, and that's, that's not controversial. Um, Slavkovsky, I don't think he played for Slovakia, uh, cause he's been in the Liga playoffs. Um, let me just double check that. I'm almost certain. I know Nemec played one game at the under twenties and so did Shakora. Yeah. So yeah. So Slavkovsky did not play. Um, he's been in the Liga playoffs for quite a while cause his team is pretty good. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Slavkovsky's staying the same for me, like top five sure 
to me at least, both of those guys, like Logan Cooley has come as as advertised. Slipkovsky, I haven't watched him play in a little while, but I he's I I can't see him moving up higher than five. I don't see him moving any lower, at least for me. Uh, although Fantilli misplayed the pass in overtime, how impressed were you with his play? Adam Fantilli is a monster. I've been on this stream for months talking about how he he certainly belongs right up in that top group for next year. Like, he did not look out of place playing with Connor Bedard. And a lot of, like, Connor Bedard was fantastic. Like, that you can't deny. Um, but Fantilli, I thought, in a lot of situations around the ice, was right there with him. Like, maybe he doesn't have the finishing ability that Connor Bedard does, but... He's a mon- Fantilli's a monster. Like he's just all over the ice all the time. Like just a great example of a hockey player that I'm looking for. Um, you know, I, 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 it's funny. Like I, I forget how I described it before, but he's one of those guys where every single time he steps on the ice, he's moving things in the right direction. It's on some level. And the last guy that I remember that that was that impressive to me in that area was like Marco Rossi, where every time Marco Rossi stepped on the ice for the 67, something crazy good was happening. And Adam Fantilli, when I've watched him with Chicago this year, always making plays, always chipping in at both ends, just putting in the work and doing the thing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm ex- I was extremely impressed with him, uh, and he came as advertised, in my opinion. Um, certainly solidified his spot for me. Like I would, for me, he's number two for me. If we're talking next year's draft, um, I know I don't like talking about next year's draft too much, but as of right now. him and Bedard are the two guys that have clearly obviously separated themselves from everyone else and that includes Mitch Cobb like I like Mitch Cobb a lot uh for sure I think he's a fantastic goal scorer um but I want to see him next year and I think in terms of just all-around players all over the ice I think I think those two guys kind of have taken a step ahead uh Nazer in top 10 I mean maybe that could I could see it um I could see that being a thing that happens teams probably love how he plays um, I don't know. Top 15 for me makes total sense for a guy like Frank Nazer. Just a nice finishing offensive forward uh, that has some, some some speed that he uses once in a while, but more reliant on just finishing and being strong on pucks, strong off pucks. Just a lot to like about him. So, yeah, if someone takes him top 10, I would not be shocked at all. Um, Why isn't Ryder Savoy at the U18s? Because they're playing in the playoffs in the CHL, and there is no way a Memorial Cup chasing team is going to send those guys to that tournament. Uh, welcome to uh, the problem with Canada at the under-18s. Lakaramaki has arguably the best shot in the draft. What would you see as his production protect, projected potential when it comes to the NHL? Uh, is it is it like line A? Um, I don't know about line A. I mean, I think that's just the easy answer because he's also way smaller than Patrick line A. Uh, I mean, if I'm trying to think of someone Lakaramaki reminds me of in the NHL, like... Look, I like Jonathan LeCaramaki, but I also have hesitations. Like, he is a guy who, in every single game I've tracked, does not drive good results, shoots from everywhere. Um, yeah, like, he's got a great shot, but he's one of these guys that, kinds of, that kind of spooks me, where it's like, the best part of their game is after a chain of possession that lands with a shot. Like, he is at the tail end of that chain of, of events that, that he drives well. Um... I'm trying to think of an NHL player that he kind of reminds me of. Um, I'll, I'll I'll look at, I'll look up NHL who who's who scores a lot of goals in the NHL these days, uh, and and where he might come from. Like I don't even think he really reminds me of like a Kyle Connor. Um, you know I don't I don't know. It's it's tough to say uh, right off the right off the hop here. Let me pull it up. Um, hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, like, of a certain... Like, he's more up, like, Alex DeBrinkett's alley without the sort of dynamic to, like dynamic pace in his game. Uh, I saw someone mention Jakob Brana. That's another one that kind of makes sense. Um, you know, maybe David Posternock, like, if he's, like, hits his ceiling, like, capital C ceiling... But I mean, I think it's more realistic that Lakaramaki is more down the table as, you know, maybe like a 30 goal scorer when he's really, when he's really going, just because I don't think he's going to put himself in a ton of positions to score on his own. You know, uh, Jeff Skinner comes to mind as well. Um, just guys that are known for shooting, which I don't think brings as much value uh, as, as other types of hockey players in, in my view. Uh, how about the 35% Canadian penalty kill? How many times have I said Canada on international ice, they will kill themselves over, over penalties. It, it happens all the time where Canada just cannot adjust to the international game. Um, and, and takes a lot of penalties. And when your defense group has, I would say, like 1.5 legit NHL prospects, like high potential NHL prospects on it, you're not gonna you're not gonna have a ton of success killing penalties and clearing the front of the net. Um, that team was not very deep. That team was not particularly good uh, relative to what Canada has out there, which is just kind of the norm for the U18s. But yeah, not great. Not a good tournament for that team. But what can you do? I guess I guess you just gotta take them out and re, re, you gotta you gotta pull the teams out because they don't like getting humiliated on international ice or whatever people were saying during the World Juniors for the last forty two years. Uh, who has the most? Who's who's been most impressive on the NTDP team? Um, I mean Isaac Howard's been good. I mean all the heavy hitters have been good. Frank Nazer, uh, Rucker McGordy scoring a lot of goals, but I still have questions about him like I, I don't know I've watched him a lot this year and I still don't think he's really a first round guy to me um Logan Cooley's been great um Ryan Chesley's been pretty good I thought Seamus Casey has gotten better as the tournament's gone on um I, I mean I don't know take your pick almost all of them have been absolutely lights out in this under 18 tournament but in general over the course of this season the most impressive NTDP guy has been Logan Cooley to me um Zach, what's going on? Hello. Uh, wondering what you've thought about Matthias Havlid and Ryan Chesley's play in the tournament. I love it. Uh, I mean, I think both of those, I think especially Havlid, I think has played really, really well. Um, you certainly see the potential of his game. He just needs to pick his spots a little better, you know, pick things a little bit, you know, just, just settle in a little bit more, not bite off more than he can chew, focus on distributing the puck a little bit more than he does, um, and, and, and pass you know, pass pucks in the offensive zone a little more than he does. He's much more shoot first, ask questions later. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, th I think with him, certainly that's, that's been a really positive thing with him. And I, I, I've been really impressed with him and I'm glad that he's having a good tournament. Chesley is another one that I need to check out again. Uh, I only have seen him a bit in this tournament. I think I only watched the Canada to us game in the U S uh, what was the other one I did? I don't remember, but, um, but yeah, he's been playing pretty well as well. Um, and I, I think that, again, it's I've been saying this for a while, like Ryan Chesley wasn't scoring a ton of points this year, and I've kind of wondered how that's possible considering how he plays. Um, but he's played well. I've liked Havlid more, but he's been fine. Uh, why do you think there have been so many power play goals in this U18, especially Sweden and the Czechs? 
Well, because Sweden has a top power play unit of guys who have been playing together for years from Jurgen. Uh So that helps. The Czechs have Yuri Kulik, who can shoot the puck extremely well. Um, so that's there's there's those two factors. Also, the goaltending in this tournament, almost every single team just did not bring particularly good goaltending. Um, really, I mean, it's all a lot of these games have been really high scoring, um, and not a lot of these teams brought a plus goaltending. And yeah, I mean, like also there's a lot of power play goals usually in these international tournaments with junior age kids. Like it's just sloppier hockey, worse goaltending, sloppier defense. Um, so they get a lot more opportunities and it's part of the joy of watching the junior tournaments. Uh, but yeah, the biggest thing though, for specifically Sweden in the Czech Republic, Yuri Kulik shoots the puck good. And Sweden has a top power play unit that's been playing together for years. Uh, and they just know how to move pucks around and they offset each other so extremely well. If, I mean, like, I've heard people say, like, Noah Oslin can't shoot. Yeah, he can shoot, but he's not the primary shot target on that line, right? Like, they give the puck to Lakaramaki to shoot the puck. But if he can't, then Oslin can do it too. And if he can't, so can Ugrin. If they don't have the puck, Ugrin will go and get it for them. Caliodilius can walk a blue line really well and distribute pucks really, really well. So, yeah, it's a good, it's a real good group of kids playing together that have been playing together forever. Uh, Ray, what's up? Would you be mad if uh, Kevin Korczynski gets picked top 10? No, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't be mad. I mean, I wouldn't be mad if anyone got picked anywhere. Uh, I would be surprised, I think, but I don't think I'd be, like, taken aback, like, Chinikov style. Um... It would be an interesting pick, and I'd be very curious to see what happens with him um, in his career based on being a top 10 pick. Like, I think he, like, the player that he constantly reminds me of is Jake Gardner. And, I mean, I was a fan of Jake Gardner for his entire career, um, and I can definitely see the appeal of a player like Jake Gardner. I just, I feel like some teams might not be down with that at that, that high in the draft, but if they are, then by all means, go nuts. Uh, who's the faster skater between Cooley and Savoy? That's a tough question to answer. Uh, I want to say Savoy, so I'll say Savoy. I think Savoy is quicker. Yeah, we'll say Savoy cautiously, I think. Uh, David, what's up? Remember you talking about offensive threat over 30 being good. What's an offense, what is offensive threat and who would be above 30 this year? So offensive threat is a metric that I well not really made up but put together um so let's uh do this let's go to the master tracking list um and we'll just look at oh, uh the master tracking list where is it uh where is my offensive threat metric there it is well, let's just do this we'll sort um so what it is is basically the sum it's not the sum, specific sum but it's the combination of dangerous pass attempts. So that's any pass attempt that is directed to or through the slot. By that, I mean the, the high and medium danger areas of the ice. So if someone's coming down the boards and, and makes a play off the half wall to a player that's between the center of the ice and the faceoff dot, to me, that's a dangerous shot attempt. You're getting pucks into the middle of the ice. Um, and, 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 the pass, and if the pass is completed, I note that. And if it's not, I, I note that as well. Uh, excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Um, so there's a lot that goes, there's not a lot that goes into it, but it's also combined with a person's, uh, a player's individual rate of high danger shot attempts. And those I weight heavier because they're more dangerous, uh, plus their rate of medium danger shot attempts. So dangerous slot pass attempts per 60 or slot pass attempts per 60 plus a, a heavier weighting of high danger chances on their own plus their medium danger attempts. So basically what 30 means is that every two minutes a player's on the ice, um, they are either trying to make a play that goes to the front of the net or the middle of the ice, or they're getting a chance from that area themselves. So they're, and being over 30 is like a pretty good indicator of someone who's driving a lot of potential, uh, at least offensively. And so you never see defensemen get up to 30. I think Scott Morrow was the highest I've ever had, and he was like 22 or something. And usually for me, 20 is notable, um, like worth looking into more. But 30 is sort of like top tier. So this year, the group so far, uh, and I'll filter out guys I don't have much of a sample on. So let's get rid of the one and two game samples. So we've got Danny Zilkin, Jordan Dumais, uh, Isaac Howard, Connor Geeky, Logan Cooley, Alexis Gendron, and Gleb Trikozov. And that is it, I believe. I think Shane Wright is just outside that. Um, yes. If you round up, Shane Wright is there. <laughs> so we'll add him. Uh, so Shane Wright is up there with Trikasov, Gendron, Cooley, Geeky, Howard, Dumais, and Jilkin. Uh, which, you know, I mean, doesn't really surprise me. Um, Dumais kind of surprises me, but also kind of doesn't. I mean, I kind of see why he's there. Uh, but anyway, uh, let's just resort this, make it go back to normal so I don't lose my mind when I'm doing this later. Oh, right. I'll fix it after, whatever. Oh, no, I can't fix it after. I apologize. One second. Uh, where is the filter here? Um, but yeah, so over 30 is, like, really, really solid. Uh, Miko Matika is almost at 40, but that's two games of data, and I don't trust it. Um, oh. Okay, it's fixed. Never mind. Uh, okay. Next. Uh, do you think Yurov could be a top five prospect if he didn't play in Russia? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I don't... If he didn't play in Russia... I mean, based on the way he plays... Like, if I'm trying to imagine him in the CHL... I mean, I... I, 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 I like to... I hope, I think, that Danila Yurov would be evaluated along the lines of regardless of where he's playing, right? Like, I, I look at him and I see a guy who's worth picking in the first round, but not the top-end guy that people said he was. Um, would he have more points if he played in the CHL? Maybe. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it, there were concerns about his game before all of this insanity with Russia started. Um there was a lot there was a lot of issues with his game that people were pointing out pretty quick uh i think a lot of people were also just complaining about his ice time uh, but whenever i watched him it was a lot of like yeah i probably wouldn't play him more than a minute anyway if i was a khl coach uh and i you know was playing him because i had to because there were rules about young players uh playing on your team um so i don't know in my in my gut like based on what i've seen of him relative to my top five right now i wouldn't have him there uh, you know, could I pick him in the top 10? You could make that argument. I think there's a lot of guys that could sneak into the end of that top 10. Um, but I really struggle to see him as a knockout top 15 guy, personally. Uh, whether or not he was playing in Russia. 
Uh, hello, Guillaume. Uh, good name. We share we share a name. That's pretty neat. Uh, what can we expect from Renzel in the NHL? Uh, upside. So I just yeah. So I did a Sam Renzel game. You know, I I think he could. I think he has potential to be a really good puck transporter. Uh, with offensive with offensive ability, like pushing up into the offensive zone, generating chances. You know, he's an offensive defenseman. I think. Um, his defensive game, I think. He leads with a stick. He plays okay defensively, but it's not particularly spectacular. He just has a long reach, knows how to use it. Physically, I don't know. If, if a coach is hoping to get him to be a more physical player, then if he's if he's being more of a physical player in the NHL, then cool. Uh, I don't think I would expect that from him. He's just a big, rangy, skilled offensive defender. I mean, I have a ton of fun watching him. Um, he had a, a really good game. The game I tracked the last one I did was not particularly good, but the first one I did was really, really good. So I don't know. I like, I like Renzel a lot. I think maybe he could be a second pair offensive defenseman. Could he run a, could he run a power play? Maybe I could see that, but I feel like a really good five on five offensive defenseman that can carry pucks, create offense, you know, drive pucks in deep himself. Just a lot of really interesting tools that he's got for sure. Good right wingers for the Blues to draft in the late first round. Uh, right wingers. Um, Jagger Furcus. I don't know. Does Furcus play right wing? Let me let me double check. Yeah, let's go Jagger Furcus. That's a decent idea. Um, yeah. Not many other wingers actually in that range for me. Um, weird. That's strange. So yeah, Jagger Furcus. There's an idea. I don't think the Blues would pick him, but I could see it. Uh, Devin Kaplan, maybe. Maybe? But that would be a bit of a reach. Does Kamel remind you of William Nylander? No. Uh, is Adam Ingram legit? Well, he is a good hockey player. Um, I don't think... Like, he puts up... He's very... He's he's pushing 2021 eligible... And if he went to the USHL and had this kind of season, that would be fine. Um, I don't mind Adam Ingram. Like he's a really good offensive guy, finisher, playmaker. Like he he doesn't do he doesn't drive a whole lot of play around the ice, uh, from what I remember. But he does make plays in the offensive zone pretty well. You know, kind of plays at his own pace. I question his likelihood of hitting sort of a massive NHL upside. Um, but he, he gets around the ice decently well. He, he knows where to be in terms of positioning. There's a lot to like about him. I just, you know, I have him in my mid second around guys like Owen Beck and Philip Beestead and Jimmy Snuggerud and just a lot of these guys that, you know, if you want to take him in the late first, like, sure, you might get a middle six kind of offensive guy out of Ingram plays on the power play, maybe something like that. But uh, I'm not, I'm not getting too excited about him, but He's he's in the top 50 for me 100%. Like there's no way he's going any lower than where he's going for for me at least. Uh is it possible Savoie, Savoy becomes the next Druan? Well, I'm not sure what you mean by that. Um but I do have concerns about Savoy that kind of line up with what has held Druan back. Um I think it's possible, but also like Jonathan Druan's had a decent career. Um I don't know. I mean, I think Savoy does have issues, but not things that are unfixable. Uh, I could see him slip in the draft a little bit um, just based on 
the issues that he does have. Like there's quickness problems. There's, you know, he's fine under pressure. I find like that, that doesn't really seem to do that problem, be a problem for him, but you know, he's a guy who I want him playing center because he seems to be way more comfortable with more freedom and open ice to play with, but he doesn't seem to you. He doesn't seem to get those results when he plays center, when I see him. And I think a lot of that sort of comes from like, he's an easy player to counter you know, you can sort of get on top of him and transition pretty easily. Uh, and he can try to make a play, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, it, I don't know. I could see his career maybe not reaching the potential that people think there is uh, with him, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to put that on him before he's even drafted. I think there's a long way to, long way to go. Uh, Macklin Celebrini and Michael Hage on the same team. Can he still go to the OHL? Yes, he can. Um, it has happened before where guys play in the US, in the USHL and then go to the OHL. Uh, Daniel Gustin was the most recent example of that. So yeah, Hage could go to the OHL. I imagine some team is going to draft him, um, you know, later on. Um, you know, for all we know, it could just be he signed a tender offer to make sure that he doesn't get drafted in the OHL draft. And there's some team that he has some sort of back deal to be like, hey, I'll come to town if you pick me up and I'll rip up my tender agreement with Chicago. Sure. Like maybe there's something going on there. Um, but yes, he, there's no reason why he can't go to the OHL now. Um, thoughts on Wah and Kidney seasons. Uh, they've been very good. I, I like Kidney more than Wah. Um, I, I think, I think Kidney, there might be NHL upside there. I don't really see it with with Wah personally, um, but they've been they've been good. Both of them, though, both of them have had really good years. That's indisputable. Uh, but just when I watch both of those guys, I I, I lean towards Kidney. Uh, are we gonna get a report on Ty Nelson, or is there too much to unpack there? I'm gonna try. It would be really cool, I think, because there is a lot to unpack, and it is an interesting case study, because um, it does not line up with what I expected of him going into this season. Uh, so maybe that's a good idea for a video. Cause I am, I mean, this year's draft class is like, okay. And I'm kind of struggling to put together a, a list of guys where I'm like super, super excited about that. I can put videos together on because that's when I feel like I do my best work and I just have trouble doing that with this group of players. But Nelson would be an interesting one because the analysis is really, really interesting. And some of the data I have on him is, not what you would expect. And I, I think, Steve, I think you're one of those people who are aware of, of that. Um, and I think we've chatted about it on Discord. Uh, do you think Wright has been underwhelming in the playoffs? I have not seen him play in the playoffs, so I cannot uh, confirm or deny that. But I don't know. Look, I wouldn't – I don't know. I, I won't comment on his play in the playoffs, but I will say that I've said it for a while that I don't think he has hegemony over first overall, at least not in my my mind. Uh, what do you think of Chaz Lucius signing his entry-level deal? Really fast. Uh, he must have really wanted to get out of Minnesota. Um, and he must have... I don't know, like, I'm surprised he didn't transfer somewhere else. Because I don't think he's pro-ready. Like, I watched a little bit of Minnesota this year, and Lucius, like, I had, I had questions with Lucius last year, and I was pretty open about them. And a lot of the data that I had on him, like, it was very much, like, he could finish, for sure. That was absolutely a thing he could do. But that's about all he was doing. And so, I don't know. I just hope that he's not, like, on this trajectory of, like, injury after injury after injury. 
and I hope that the Winnipeg Jets don't just shove them directly into the NHL next season because I don't think that's really something that he's ready for. But prove me wrong, like feel free, but I, I just don't see that as likely. It's a weird situation. And usually when you see guys rushed out of college like that, it's a question mark uh, about what's going on there. Um, because I don't know, in his specific situation, I would have thought a transfer would make more sense to a place where he felt a little more comfortable. Um, but all the best to him, I guess. Like, we'll see what happens, but all the best. Who in the draft would have the ankle breaker X factor? Uh, Logan Cooley probably would be one of those. Uh, who else? Isaac Howard, potentially. Um, Noah Ostland, once in a while, pulls out the ankle breakers. Those, those guys, maybe. Definitely Cooley. I want to say Brad Lambert, but people might yell at me because he doesn't score points. So he probably gets an honorable mention as well. Uh, any Habs prospects that have surpassed your expectations? Uh, okay. Um, I mean, Riley Kidney's been better than I thought he would be this quickly uh, from what I've seen. Uh, let me look. Um, yeah, so, I mean, Wah scoring 113 points is not something that I had on my, on my bingo card going into this season. Um, what else? Justin Barron has been good, too, uh, in the games that I've seen him with Montreal. There hasn't been a ton, but I, I he's been good, too. I mean, Josh Wah and Riley Kidney have surpassed my expectations, but I still think that there, there's a ways to go for both of those guys, um, to become like legit NHL prospects, but I have more fun watching Riley Kidney for sure. Uh, so those are the names that come to mind for me on, on Montreal. Um, have you ever thought of getting questions submitted beforehand so you can prep or do you prefer to go on the fly? Uh, well that actually just reminds me, I got a question in my Twitter DMs that I will answer after this question, but I mean, I don't, I don't care either way. Um, one way or the other, yeah, I don't I don't really mind. Uh, let me see here. Where is this question? There it is. Um, so I pull it up. Okay. But yeah, I mean, if you want to submit questions in advance, uh, feel free to let me know, um, especially if it's a little on the jankier side of guys where I might not have seen a ton of them because there are lots of guys that I have not seen a ton of. Um, so yeah. And, and on that note, we'll go to the question that was submitted on Twitter before uh, before the stream. Um, how many NHL teams do you think are systematically underperforming in the draft due to bad decision-making processes as opposed to bad luck? Also, do you think that as an, that an evaluator of talent such as yourself can over the long haul outperform consolidated rankings? In other words, is it possible to beat the market in scouting? Um, I wonder if someone's done a study to see whether or not a team that blindly followed consolidated rankings would have done, had more draft success over time than the team that tried to make a unique internal ranking. Yeah. So it's an interesting question. So I don't know, I'm not going to give you a number on teams that are underperforming due to bad decision-making processes, but I think that they exist. I mean, look, the way that I see it is, uh, I'll pull this this sheet up as well. Because uh, I track my own team, right? So I, I take names. I think it's important as an evaluator to say, to put your money where your mouth is. Um, and I will admit that last year I looked a lot better than where it looks like it is this year. So what this is, is basically all the NHL teams and the prospects they have and the, and the prospects they have ordered by 
my NHLE score metric, which is age adjusted, position adjusted, and league adjusted production. Um, 20 is about first round value on average, but there's a lot more that goes into it that makes it a little bit noisy because that's what scouting and analysis can be at times is quite noisy. Um, so this is sorted by team's average NHLE score. There's also like the max NHLE score in the program that the, the, or the in the group of players the team has, average league strength, the standard deviation around that average, all kinds of stuff. So based on, I, I've thought about this a lot because my results, so I'm about a point and a half behind Toronto and I use my picks based on who Toronto has. So I'm not that far back. But it is enough where there are things I need to explore and and figure out what's going on. But I do think that all I am is a guy in a basement that watches a bunch of hockey games. And I don't, every single year, I care less and less and less about what people otherwise would tell me. My list is my list. And like, I've got Gleb Trick as off top 10 because I think that he belongs there. And if he's not, I'd rather have that on the list and be wrong than then do it because no one then put him somewhere else because everyone else has him in the second round or something and call it a, d- a day and 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 never think about it again and hope that it and hope that that works out right um so i do i do think that there are biases and poor evaluators out there that affect results for teams i think it's getting better Certainly it's a lot better than it was when I was a kid. Oh my God. You want to see some craziness? Go to drafts from the nineties, early two thousands. Uh, it is a freaking mess. Um, so I do think, I think that it's important to understand that like, I am not a staff of people that has spent millions of dollars on evaluating all of these guys. And it's not like I'm so horrendous at this that, it's it's completely off the charts bad for me. What is interesting about my work that you might notice if you're astute is that the, you know, my average results might not be particularly in the top five of the league. It was last year, I think, top six or seven maybe. Uh, I can't remember. But I also have a really low standard deviation around that average. So for, and it's significantly lower than Toronto's. Um, and Tor- Toronto does have a higher average. But I see what that indicates is like beyond first round picks, I am at least identifying players that all sort of funnel down into a similar range of production. So there aren't that many guys that in my that in my data are like wasted picks, even if there aren't that many guys that are like steals. So and it's also kind of funny that there are three guys with a 20 plus NHLE score, uh and uh wait why is that indicating uh never mind uh and and a bunch of other teams are around three like seattle is up at two but seattle also has a really really small prospect pool so they're a bit of an outlier um but yeah i do i do think that you know you can identify bad luck but i think a lot of it you can identify bad decision making processes um i mean i do think that there are situations where you can outperform consolidated rankings. There was a pa- a pa- not a paper, but an article someone wrote about what happens if you just draft the, I think it was for Vancouver, if you draft just the CHL player with the highest rate of points per game as a draft eligible. Uh, and I think it outperformed their GM at the time significantly. I think it was Dave Nonis or something. No, was it? I don't remember. But it, they outperformed the general manager considerably 
just by drafting the highest production CHL players. Like Brendan Gallagher would be a Vancouver Canuck, for example. Um, so it is interesting to think about. There's a lot more that goes into it. Um, but I, I mean, I do think it's possible to beat the market because most of the market doesn't really use that many analytical tools heavily to sway their decision making. They 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 use it as an as, as an auxiliary tool, but not like a guiding light, so to speak. They they just sort of use it as like a confirmation or or uh, a way to confirm what they're already thinking. Or or I don't know. I it's a big mixed bag, I guess, is what I'm saying. Uh, do you select Reed Dick? If so, how high? Uh, probably not. I mean, he was good in this tournament. He was good at the top prospects game. Goalies are just too weird. And I mean, when I look at my team, the guys that I've already picked, like Daniel Vladar would be would be on my team. Uh, Mikhail Burden Burden would be on my team, and Dmitry Nikolaev would be on my team, who was the backup with the KHL team in St. Petersburg this year, who I think is a fantastic goalie. So I don't really feel the need to go out and draft a goalie this year, especially because there's only three picks that I'll be able to make. But I think Reed Dick will get drafted, um, maybe higher. That like goalies usually start going in the second round, um, so I could see a team swinging on him in the second round. Uh, I wouldn't do it, but. You know, third, fourth, fifth round, sure. I guess if you if if you have a goalie guy who really really likes him, maybe third round. I would I would think about it. But second round to me is pretty valuable for other positions. Thoughts surrounding Matthews' sixty goals. The guy's a bum. He's overrated. Uh, nobody likes him. He has smelly feet. Um, I don't know. He has a weird mustache. So those are my thoughts. Uh, I could tell you sixty more reasons why he's overrated and a bum. Um. So those are my thoughts around him scoring 60 goals. I mean, I'm just kidding. I think it's incredible. Uh, pretty unbelievable. And it's kind of unbelievable that a Toronto Maple Leaf scored 60 goals in a season. Um, and it also blows my mind that people still think that he's on his way out once his contract is over. But I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. But yeah, I mean, he, he <laughs> 60 goals is a pretty incredible accomplishment, even in a, even in a year with inflated offense like this one. Uh, can Luke Hughes be the best Hughes? That's a tough, that's a tough egg to crack. I really like Jack and I really like Quinn. They're all kind of different hockey players. So the word best kind of spooks me, but he certainly belongs, uh, at a high echelon of talent with in, in that family for sure. Uh, what is Kulik's potential? And do you think he'll play center in the NHL? I, I think he could be a middle six guy, middle six up the middle guy. Um, good offense, but the defense is also good there too. I think he plays center in the NHL for sure, especially if he gets stronger. Do you think he'll be there if the Leafs are picking in the late first? I think it's possible. He had a great tournament, but I don't think it was so spectacular that, that teams are going to rocket ship him up from like, on average, he's ranked, I think, 33rd on my list, um, I think. And I don't, I mean, maybe he moves up, but I don't know. Like, I wouldn't pick him any higher than I have him. Like, he's at the top of my fourth tier at 22. And he's been in that range for a long time. I think he for a while he was higher. Um, but I kind of dropped him down a little bit as the year went on. But, um, I mean, so to me, he's, he belongs in that range for Toronto. And I would not be surprised to see Toronto go out and get him. Uh, most impressive draft year by a player you've ever seen? Hmm. In terms of guys where I've tracked data and watched them wire to wire, probably Marco Rossi. Probably. 
in terms of guys that I actually have watched, because I did watch a lot of guys in the draft that were draft eligible before I started doing all this work. Like, I remember Connor McDavid when he was draft eligible, and that was spectacular. I would have loved to have data on him from that year. That would have been amazing. But I think in terms of guys that I, when I've been doing this work, this line of work, Marco Rossi is probably right up there. Uh, I'm trying to think of a defenseman that might be up there as well. Not not coming to mind right now. <laughs> Nothing coming to mind right away. Uh, do you think the Red Wings scout saw something inside or other teams that the public missed, or is he a case of rapid development? Um, that's a good question, and I don't really know the answer. Uh, I mean, they must have. Like, Cider wasn't really... I think Cider, on average, was ranked in, like, the mid to late first round. Like, I had him in the 20s. Um, and I actually... I, it's funny. Not too long ago, I went back and watched him uh, when he was in the DEL that year. Because now I have the ability to watch his DEL tape, which at the time I didn't. I only had seen him in the German with the German national team that year. Uh, and I liked him. I thought he was a first round pick, but I certainly didn't see this out of him. I think I think he did he took a big step when he went to Sweden. Um that's that's when I first started looking at him and going, oh, this guy is just a brick wall. Like that's what he is. I think I think for me, he's a guy who he's not he's not the most spectacular skating defenseman you've ever seen because he doesn't really need to be. He's just strong and physical, great stick hard to get by smart passer um just a really really smart all-around player and drove play really well and i i don't know it's it's funny like i i i think he's it, it's it's funny because i also watch a lot of him with detroit this year and i mean he's a he's a rock on defense but he hasn't been like you know dominant which is obviously asking a lot, but I think, I think he's a very, he's going to be an extremely talented defender for the Detroit Red Wings for a really, really long time. And him with a one, two punch with Simon Edvinson is going to be amazing. So I do think that they, I mean, look at the same time, you could make the argument, like what if, what if Cole Caulfield were Detroit Red Wing, Red Wing right now, Red Wing right now, like playing with Lucas Raymond and had Dylan Lar or had Dylan Larkin feeding him pucks all season and not Dominic Ducharme coaching him. Say what you will about Jeff Blashill, but I feel like in Michigan, like right in his yard, like Cole Caulfield played with the NTDP, that would also be a perfectly acceptable pick for Detroit. Like the draft gets to a point very quickly where a number of different players make sense for a given team and you just have to pick the one that you like the most. Um, you know, Trevor Zegras uh, could also have been a Detroit Red Wing and I that would have been interesting too. You know, the 2019 draft, there were a lot of really interesting choices. And yes, I, I mean, Detroit stuck their neck out a little, um, but they seem to have gotten gotten it right. I think a big change that I saw from his draft year to his D plus one was he just, he got, he filled out quite a bit. I don't know if he put on a ton of weight or anything, but he certainly looked more filled out, more confident, you know, more stable on his feet, uh, more mobile, maybe not the quickest guy, but just all around just took a step in the right direction. Um pretty pretty quickly after being drafted um hope you are doing well i hope you're doing well too i'm doing okay i played my first ball hockey game the other night 
and uh, nearly passed out. So uh, been a while since I played ball hockey. Like since it's been since before the pandemic. It's uh, it was tough. Um, got a couple shots on net though. That was pretty fun. Uh, if Wright and Cooley go one and two, who do you think Montreal should pick at three? Your check maybe, or you trade back. <laughs> You're a check or you see who you trade back. Uh, maybe Slavkovsky, but that might not be the highest target guy I go for. You're a check would be an interesting one, but I would be curious about seeing what the market is like on trading back picks high up in the draft this year and just trying to acquire volume rather than quality. Um, but that's just me. Uh, who would you take on your team? Lambert or Ratu? Good question. Probably Brad Lambert. Uh, why is your handsome per 60 so high? Uh, because I'm wearing my glasses. If I took my glasses off, you'd see, uh, the dark pits into the, into hell that are the areas around my eyes. Um, but also, uh, I have handsome parents. Who in your mind do the Habs target in the draft? Well, they're picking somewhere in the top three. So I say Shane Wright, Logan Cooley, or David Juracek, maybe, and you trade down. How big are the gaps between Wright, Lambert, and Cooley? I don't think they're that big. Um, they all bring different things to the game. I'm extremely optimistic on Lambert. Uh, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I'm extremely optimistic on him. I think Lambert brings more pace than Cooley does, but Cooley brings a lot more dynamic offense and actual offensive intelligence. Lambert is just a monster in offensive transitions, tons of speed, tons of intensity, um, and lots to work with with that speed and skill. Shane Wright, super smart you know, in terms of with the puck, Maybe not the best defensive player, not the quickest guy, but really a crafty playmaker with a great shot as well. So they all bring different things to the to the board. So I don't think it's not it's not so much that there are gaps between them. It's just they all bring sort of different things to the game uh, more than anything. Thoughts on Emil Andre? He just won Defenseman of the Year for his league. Seems to be doing great. Yeah, I mean, we the video team put out a piece on on him a little while back. Uh, I'm not as big a fan on of Emil Andre as uh, as Coach Greg Revac is. I mean, I see a guy who is good enough to push play in the All Svenskin for sure. Like he's he's pretty mobile, um, pretty good puck distributor. The big thing I have with him is that he plays really physical, but he just doesn't. He I don't think that projects super well considering his size, and he's not the strongest guy. I don't know. We'll see. Um. I thought he was drafted a little too high. We'll see where he goes. Um, I think they're going back up to the to the elite or the uh, the the uh, Swedish. Oh my goodness, the Swedish elite league next year, the Swedish hockey league. I should say. I think he's going up there next year with his team. So we'll see how he does up there. Um, he can run a power play, I guess. Uh, but I mean, good for him. Like he won, he won an award. Uh, good for him. But uh, I I watched a lot of tape of him this year and still have the same sort of concerns with regards to like projecting to the NHL. But I feel like he could, I, I think with no question, he could turn out to be a really good SHL defender. Like even if it doesn't work out in the NHL, I feel like in the SHL, he'll, he'll have a long career. Um, oh yeah. The Raptors game is tonight. I forgot about that. Um, anyway, next question. Vincent's Roarer question mark? Uh, maybe, maybe later round pick, but I haven't been like blown away with Vincent's Roarer. I should probably take a closer look at him. I haven't seen him play in a long time though. So thank you for the reminder. I'll actually write him down. Uh, so I don't forget. Um, where's my list? There it is. Uh, 
quote. Sorry, just writing the name down so I don't forget. Vinzenz Rohrer. Okay. Um, best offensive defenseman for the 2022 draft. Uh, there's a few. I mean, guys with offensive tools. Juracek is up there. Uh, Simone Nemec. I mean, all the guys that are high on my list for defensemen, I think have high offensive out- upside, right? Like Juracek, Nemec, Casey, Korchinski, Grudinin, Mintyukov. I'd say all of those guys. Sam Renzel. Um, but the best, I mean, I don't know about best. Like, it depends on what you mean by best. I think there's potential for a guy like... I think I think Korchinski could be a really good offensive defenseman. I think Seamus Casey could be the most interesting and fun to watch offensive defenseman come out of the draft. Simone Nemich could be the best like offensive rush offensive defenseman, like puck carrier distributing in the offensive end, kind of sorta. But I'm not as high on him as a lot of other people. Um, I hope that helps. Who deep down in your gut is going to be the best player from this draft? I want it to be Brad Lambert. I mean, he's the most fun to watch for me. Uh, I want it to be him in my gut. Um, David Juracek could also be an absolute monster. Um, everyone expects Shane Wright, but, you know, I mean, in my gut, my deepest of hopes, I hope Brad Lambert figures it out and puts together what he can do. Cause he's in, he's when he, when he plays, he plays when he goes, he goes, um, the most overrated player in the draft. I really hesitate to use the word overrated, but I still struggle with Joakim Kamel. I finished his data set. There's going to be a video on him soon, but I really, I really struggle. Um, I really struggle with, with Joakim Kamel. Um, but, you know, obviously that's a silly thing to say considering he scored a hat trick literally eight hours ago. Uh, oh, Fred, thank you very much. A medical delivery driver. Well, thank you for your, thank you for your work. Uh, it's greatly appreciated, Fred, and uh, happy to have you aboard. Any big movers from the under-18s for you? I, I, the only one that really moved up for me was I put Isaac Bourne on my list. I thought he's been very good, but the rest, not a ton. Is Philip Zadina a bust? No, because he's an NHL player every single day, and if that's what you are, you are not a bust. Uh, will the Wings announcers be saying Mazer to Nazer? <laughs> very good. That's a great comment. It's entirely possible. Uh, I could see it happening, and that would be very, very, very good. That would be a very good thing to happen in sports. Uh, what do you think of the rumors Chaz Lucius will play the WHL next year? Should you just jump to the A? I would put him in the WHL. I wouldn't be putting him in the AHL right away. So I think saw I saw someone post that I saw I think I saw someone post that Portland owns his rights. So I would expect him in Portland. Any changes in opinion about Brendan Othman after his great year? No. What do you think is the most transmissible skill to the NHL? What skills have you seen prospects improve on most frequently? Uh. So the, the thing I think translates best to the NHL is how you play under pressure that and the pace at which you're comfortable playing the game. Like if you can play the game by pushing defenses back onto their heels in junior and you just keep building on that and, and build, and that's your natural instinct, that certainly helps because speed in the NHL speed kills. Uh, and the skills I've seen prospects improve on most, they get stronger. Um, they get more agile the skill level improves as well. Like all those things that just take practice and experience. Um, and then once they hit the NHL, they learn what they can get away with. They learn what they can't get away with. Um, 
they 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 learn to push and pull the play a little bit better. They learn if they need to play defense more. They 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 either learn how to play defense more or struggle to 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 make it work. Um, but in terms of translatable skills, I certainly look for guys that can play under pressure, um, make plays under pressure, and maintain possession. And also guys who in open ice and with time and space to play with, they maintain possession and push pace and push guys back on their heels and, and push defenses back. You've probably covered this, but what do you think about Bedard's lack of height and how this might affect his projectability? It doesn't matter to me. I mean, I don't know. He's not the smallest hockey player that ever lived. And the guy is just a mutant. Like that guy might score like 80 goals next year. And I've seen the way that that guy scores goals is unlike anyone I've ever seen before. And the the way that that guy manipulates play in the offensive zone and makes plays and shoots the puck and does all these different things is just unbelievable. And, you know, yes, you could make the argument that he might not be the fastest or most skilled open ice player, but I don't know. I don't think I, I, he's got another year to work on all of those things and get stronger. So I'm not, I'm not concerned in the slightest. I, I think he could be an absolute, wizard in the nhl uh is there a scouting discord yes there is it's accessible on patreon for anyone at five dollars a month and up uh connor geeky thoughts uh i have many so connor geeky is a troubling one i don't know someone's gonna draft him like 12th and i'll wish him the best and hope he figures it out he's a guy who i think he puts up really good data from what i've what i've tracked he puts up really good data from what I've tracked. You know, he's one of those guys that can make plays under pressure, exactly what you're looking for. But I think the skating really needs to improve. The speed up the middle is just not really there. The skill level is also not really there in terms of puck control and everything. Much more of a chip and chase kind of guy. Just a, a hockey player, like a hockey man's hockey player. He'll, you know, he'll go higher than I have him ranked. In terms of ceiling, I think you could hope that he's a sort of second line center sort of in the mold of maybe a Jordan Stahl type guy kind of thing, you know, maybe 60 points a season, good 200 foot dude, maybe, um, draft rank. I mean, I've got him at 23, but I feel like he'll be gone well before then. Um, and, and, and yeah, so there's question marks, but I think he'll be, he'll be an NHL player. Like I expect him to maybe be like a third line center in the NHL. And if you get one of those in the late first round, then you did well. So that's kind of around where I have him. What's the worst pick relative to position? Chinikov at 21 or Boucher at 10? <laughs> Come on. Um, not super thrilled about Boucher at 10. There were a lot of players at 10. Like at least Chinikov, I knew who he was and I could go, yeah, you know, this guy can really shoot the puck and that's a thing. Um, it was probably more shot. It was probably, I mean, they're equally shocking, but I think Chinikov at 21 is more shocking. Boucher at 10 is more just like what are you getting at here? Like at least with at least with Columbus, it's like he's a trigger man and a really good one. So sure, I'll 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 resent that. I'll put that. I'll set. I'll get into that. But it's a little still a little insane. Boucher at ten was very very strange. Uh, best faceoff man in the draft. Honestly, I could not tell you. I mean, Owen Beck I've noticed is a good faceoff man, and I know EP raised that in the article that I think Lauren Kelly put together which is is good um i don't really think too much about guys who win a lot of face-offs the thing that matters with face-offs is what happens after a face-off whether you win or lose so i don't i don't really think too much about face-offs but i know owen beck is one of the better ones 
I saw some people compare Eurocheck to Cider both skill-wise and ceiling-wise. Do you agree? Uh, I think Eurocheck has more skill than Cider at the same age, but Eurocheck is not as much of a well-refined defensive player like Cider was. Um, ceiling-wise, I think their ceiling is relatively comparable, though, for sure. If Ottawa wins the lottery, will they select Shane Wright? Almost certainly, yes. Uh, if Fantilli was in the draft this year, would he go first overall? I would have him at first, and I wouldn't think twice about it. At the U18s, did any less prominent countries have noteworthy players like Latvia? Latvia has guys like Sandus Vilmanis and Dox Lokmelis. Uh, I like Vilmanis. He's on my list. Um, Lokmelis I didn't see a ton of that I, I've liked over the course of the year. Uh, Switzerland, uh, Gregory Weber was kind of interesting, but he's pretty small and that team kind of stunk and I don't know. Um, trying to think of other ones. Or even like the lower division teams I've looked at. Like Mats Baki Olsen for the Norwegian team was pretty good. Um, their goalie for Norway was also pretty good, but he's only 5'9", and so who knows what happens with him. Uh, obviously Slovakia has a bunch of guys that are that are really good um and they were in that tournament as well uh but in terms of the under 18 tournament itself like Jer uh J julian lutz has been really impressive as well i think that that i think uh we'll get some more eyes on him now but he's in my second round i don't see him going much higher than where i have him um but he's been good for germany as well um should the habs properly scout goalies with price's future in the air well, I'm not sure what you mean by that, like, for replacements for him. I don't know. I mean, I imagine they're in conversations with Carey Price a lot um, about what's going on with him and, and what's going on with his health and where he's going to be next year and all of that stuff. I don't know. I the, 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 the Habs have also rushed a lot of goalies to the NHL. Like, Caden Primo, they shipped directly to the NHL so fast. Um... I don't know. I I'm trying to think of the goalies they've drafted recently. They drafted Frederick Dickow, and he's a guy. I can't remember off the top of my head who their other goalies they've drafted are. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't think you can say that you can rely on Carey Price for next season, but you also have a problem because if you pick up a different goalie, and it isn't Jake Allen, for example. Like, if you pick up a different goalie and then Carey Price comes back, you're paying a lot of money for your goaltending tandem, which you might be able to get away with. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's it's tough. That's a conversation for between Carey Price and the Habs that I have no insight into. If Carey Price is like, I want to be healthy and come back next year, then you can't really go out and try to get another goalie because that might be a $10 million goalie on your team um, plus whatever you go out and get. But if he's like, I think I might need to sit it out and like I have to get surgery and blah, 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 blah. Then that changes things a little bit. Um, like, I don't know if they just LTIR him for the rest of his career. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Um, and I'm not going to speculate really, but it's tough. What do you think about Kirby Doc and how has he looked in the NHL? Do you think he's come close to his max potential? Um, so... I haven't watched a ton of the Blackhawks this year. I was reading, I can't remember where I saw it, but Kirby Doc has apparently like not been the best like coachable guy. Um, 
I don't know what that specifically means. I'm pretty sure I'm not making that up. I hope I'm not, but I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. I don't know. I've seen him and it's, it's always like you see what he's capable of. You see it. You you can tell. So I think there's still room to grow for him. Um, and I think you, you see the upside. It just, it's a matter of, I think the quote I read was something about, it's a matter of like putting in the work, like learning to put in the work to like take that extra step to become like that next step of a hockey player. But it is objectively true right now that other players in that draft are kind of surpassing him now. And he's had a few years to kick the can. And, you know, in my opinion, personally, they put him in the NHL too fast. But, I mean, he didn't look out of place right away. Um, But, they, you know, it's it's really, it's tough. I, I don't know. I, I, I think there's more room to grow. But, you know, other guys have kind of, I think it's undeniable now that, that certain players have kind of surpassed him. But once Chicago gets better... He's going to need to be a big part of making Chicago better. Um, but I also hope he just gets better anyway because of that improvement around him. Among things like size, birth month, the league they played, lack of point production, position, etc. What do you think are some of the more common biases NHL teams still have in the draft? The, the, I don't know. I don't think, I think you kind of hit all the, hit all the heavy hitters there. Uh, I wish I could, I wish I could, I don't know. Cause size is definitely one. The league where they play is definitely another production. I'd say production period can be one. Um, I guess like to twist your question, the, there, I think there are under under leveraged areas of hockey that NHL teams have still ignored, which is like undersized defensemen. Um, I think those are often artificially deflated in value, but I don't know. I think you got them all. I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, who are the best skating defensemen that will not be taken in the first round? Um, good question. Maybe Matthias Hovlid. Uh. Kali Odelius, but we'll see after this tournament. Um, at times, Ty Nelson. Uh, Ryan Chesley might be up there. I don't think he's going in the second round, though. Um, who else? Noah Warren can skate pretty well as well. I could see him getting drafted. Um... I mean, he will get drafted, but I feel like he will, won't go first round, and he might be one of the better skating defensemen outside the first round. Salomonson has moments that I really like. Uh, at times, Ty Nelson. Um, so, yeah. But Matthias Hoblitz probably the one that sticks out the most to me. Is there a Daniil Gustin this year? Undersized offensively dominant player that will fall. Uh, I don't know about undersized. Um, I mean, Gleb Trikazov I love, and he'll probably slip. Uh, Noah Osland might slip quite a bit, uh, so that might be one as well. Hmm. Yeah, we'll go with those two. Um, favorite World Junior game you've seen? Oh, the New Year's Eve with the Tukarski save against the against the Americans was incredible. Uh, I was at the game where Canada gave up five goals in the third period to lose to Russia. That was a different type of favorite. I was also sick during that game. 
Um, but my that, the, the, I think the New Year's Eve one always sticks out in my head for New Year's Eve. That 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 game, Canada U.S. Um, I'm trying to think of others. I mean, I'm sure there are others that I'm forgetting, but those ones stick out right away. Uh, like that game, that New Year's Eve game, I almost got so excited I peed my pants. Um, but I didn't. I held it in and made it. But like, that's that's how intense I got for that game. Uh, who do you think wins this year's USA draft class? The one from 2019 or the one from 2016? Ooh, uh i don't even remember the 2016 draft um i know austin like they have austin matthews so probably 2016 because they have austin matthews um oh but he wasn't on the u.s team unless you're talking um nhl draft uh that's not what i want um let's just filter for all americans oh yeah I, I, I'm taking 2016. Charlie McAvoy, Clayton Keller, Matt, Matt Kachuk, Austin Matthews, uh, Alex Debrinkat. Yeah, I'm taking that group, I think. Adam Fox. Yeah, 2016, I think, is the team I'm, I'm taking for sure. Um, Rossi versus Savoy. Uh, I love Rossi way more than I liked Savoy this year. Um... If you want to talk undersized centers that actually might have issues projecting to the NHL, Savoy we can talk about. I got no time to talk about stuff like that with Marco Rossi. Um, I don't know. They're just I, Marco Rossi. I just is a, is a step ahead for me. The Sharks give you the GM job after signing Doug Wilson Jr. to a lifetime contract. What's your plan of action? Yeah, so that's gonna. I mean, if anything, Doug Wilson Jr. getting the GM job probably happens first. From there, who knows. Um, but what's my plan of action? Uh, well, they're in a tough spot. That is for sure. They have a bit of cap space, but yeah, they're earmarking a lot of that for Thomas Hurdle. Um, you know, Timo Myers and RFA, you probably want to keep him. Oh boy. It's a tough nut to crack because you also don't want to trade and because they don't have that many assets to package that you want to give up if you're rebuilding to get rid of some of these big name contracts. Like, I don't know. Um, and like Mark Edward Vlasic has a no move and so does Eric Carlson. So why would they opt? They, why would they, th they say yes to a trade? Um, you know, Logan Couture is your captain. I feel like you should keep that leadership group together. Uh, I think Brent Burns is still a good fit personally for that group. But yeah, I mean, something's got to give, right? Like something's got to gotta give. Maybe there's a team that wants a goalie and, and James Reimer can be moved. Um, maybe someone wants, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know, it's tough. Like maybe someone wants a Nick Benino, you can move him out. <laughs> you know, look, it, you don't want to do it. Like you're not going to, you're probably not trading Logan Couture. You're probably not, you're definitely not trading Thomas Hurdle. You're probably not trading Eric Carlson. You're probably not trading Brent Burns. You're, I don't know who's going to take Mark Edward Vlasic's contract on. Um, and I don't know in that case, how are you going to afford Timo Meyer? You know, like if a team calls you, like I would at least listen in the draft on what teams would give me for Timo Meyer. Like if, if let's say, for example, I think the Buffalo Sabres have a lot of picks. And if the Buffalo Sabres come knocking, they have tons of cap space. 
you know, their Kyle Pozo's contract expires at the exact same time and they have three first round picks. Like if they, if they decide and two and three second round picks for next year. So if they want to fast track things and add another top forward, I would want to see what they would offer in the way of picks and prospects for a guy like Timo Meyer. Cause like, I don't know what other option you have in terms of getting value, right? Like, I don't, I don't know because you're gonna, you have to have someone willing to take on the deal for a Logan Couture. You have to have someone willing to take on the deal for Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, Mark Edward Vlasic. And you have to deal with no move clauses on a bunch of these guys. And for, for Brent Burns, he submits a three team trade list. That's basically a no move. Like that's basically a no move. You're not getting, if, if your negotiation only has three out of potentially 20, 28 other parties, those three teams are not going to offer you very much, especially for a guy signed for another three seasons and he's 37 years old. Like it's just not going to happen. So I don't know. It's a tough call because you don't want to trade Timo Meyer, but it's the easiest option. And I feel like you would get just an absolute windfall and you kind of go, okay, that's us eating it for all of these contracts we've handed out. And by the time, say Brent Burns is older, maybe he retires. I don't know why he would. Um, how is his contract structured? Yeah. Like Brent Burns is going to make, Oh God. Yeah. So he's going to make less salary every year, but he's never making less than $5 million. So he's probably going to want to make that money. So he's probably not retiring. Mark Edward Vlasic is probably the same. Um, yeah, his, oh my goodness. So he's making seven and a quarter, seven and a quarter, seven, and then five and a half. So whoever picks up those guys, they got to pay them a lot of money. And I don't think that's going to entice them to retire early. Um, so you're kind of stuck and that sucks. Maybe there's a giant cap increase in after next season and Timo Meyer, you have the cap space to sign him. You keep things lean everywhere else. You let Nick Benino walk. You let James Reimer walk. You know, you have league, you, you play a lot of kids. I don't know, but this is why it's really hard to sign guys that are in their thirties to seven, six, seven, eight year contracts. And it's probably the, the flaw in Doug Wilson's grand plan here that kind of has put them in a tough spot. Um, thoughts on player development under Don Granado. It's amazing what you can do when you let players just play themselves. Uh, who would you take for your franchise Lafreniere or Stutzla? I don't know how you don't say Stutzla right now. Um, I mean, I thought Lafreniere has gotten better over the course of this season. I think the Rangers got Lafreniere off on the wrong foot anyway last year. Um, but I mean, I'll take either, but I mean, right now I probably lean Stutzla as much as that pains me to say. Top three Slovakians versus top three Americans. Who's better this year? Um, so you've got, what have you got here? Um, top three Slovakians. So that's Slavkovsky, Nemec, and Mashar, I would say. And the top three Americans, Cooley for me. Uh, Cooley, uh, Cooley, Nazer, and Casey are the top three for me. I'd probably go with the Slovakians, personally. Personally. Uh, su surprised Kosa went before Walstead. Yes. Uh, will you ever talk more about goalies and why haven't you talked more about goalies other than just being goalies and hard to project? Cause I don't know anything about goaltending. I played goalie when I was six. 
Um, and I mean, it is true. They are hard to project. That's why I'm kind of against it too. Um, and it's like, it's so much more of a mental position. It's such a, it's almost like you have to evaluate their personalities a lot more and like how they carry themselves to, to know what you're getting. So I also, and I also just know a lot more about playing actual hockey rather than the ins and outs of goaltending. Um, I think what I do know is I know a really good goaltender when I see one. Um, and I think I got, I think I saw that with Wallstead last year, but I don't know. I, it's just a subject that I don't know a ton about. So I don't want to talk about something I don't know a ton about. Uh, do you think you will see a goaltender getting drafted first overall in your lifetime? Probably not. I mean, Wallstead has been a, about as star studded a resume as you're going to find for a kid his age. Like he was playing under 20 hockey when he was 15, like SHL hockey when he was 17. Um, and he still went like late first. So I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, BCHL or USHL? Oh, I take USHL every day. Uh, should there be an NHL exceptional status playing at 17 years old? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I, I don't think so. I think it's also a big problem is, uh, like child labor laws. Like, I don't think... I imagine that there are a lot of legal issues surrounding children playing against grown men in professional sports. Um, and I mean, I don't think there have, like how many 17 year olds have come along that legitimately could play in the NHL? Like maybe those Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby tier guys could do it. But I don't know. The NHL is really hard and I just don't I just don't think that makes a whole lot of sense. I, I, I would be very shocked to see that ever happen. Not just for the legal reasons, but for the actual practical reasons. <clears throat> Thoughts on Julian Lutz. Uh I've liked him at the at the world at the under eighteens this year. He's a he's a good He's got some skill. You know, he's a quick decision maker as well. He's a nice one-touch passer. He's a decent finisher as well. He's a nice, well-rounded offensive forward. Um, I, I, I think he fits into that sort of mid-late second round range of just a blob of interesting players. Um, you know, there's there's skill. He can create off the boards pretty well. He gets inside and, and can generate shots from, from inside pretty well. And I've, I've tracked two games of his at the DEL level and, and he's been good in both of them. Um, you know, for a guy, I mean, I, he's a guy who I think also I would be willing to bet looks like he missed a lot of time. If you know what I mean? Like he's a guy who, um, I think looks like he's a step behind because he missed so much time, but it's gotten a little better as time goes by. He's looked good at this tournament. Um, so yeah, I mean, if I have a pick in the third round or something and he's still there, then I'd easily be convinced to take him. Devils are on the board at five. Wright, Cooley, Juracek, and Slavkovsky are taken. Who should they target? Uh, may, well, my gut says Simo Nemec being realistic, but I, again, I would, I would see who's available to, if they want to trade up. I would see. 
because uh, I really like Brad Lambert, and I think Brad Lambert belongs in that top group. If I, you know, I would probably even pull the trigger on 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 Lambert at five, honestly, because I think that much of him. But if you can trade back, like let's say a team really wants Simon Nemec, I would leverage that and say you really want him. Well, we want him, so what are you going to give us for him? And maybe you can leverage a good deal out of that. Um, cause I like Nemich. I think that would be a good pick there, but I feel like you could do better. Um, but there's a whole bunch of guys after that that are kind of all mashed together that, uh, you could trade back a little bit, hope Brad Lambert slips and pick him up later. Do you think the lack of Russian players in these tournaments in North American leagues will indirectly affect where they get up, get drafted or will they be under an even larger microscope? I don't think that's the lack of Russian players in these tournaments that will affect where they get drafted, but the reason why there's no Russian players in the tournaments that will indirectly affect where they get drafted, like, I think that is a much bigger problem than not being at this tournament. Um, If anything, I feel like they're under a smaller microscope, and I feel like teams are paying less and less attention. Um, CHL banned your Russians and and Belarusians from the the tournament, or from, from, from the import draft. Um... You know, I, 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 I've heard some of the logistical reasons why, but still not a good call for me. But if, if that's the indication, then I think NHL teams are going to stray away from them because of the obvious reasons why they might stray away. Are Edmondson and Power high risk, high reward? Well, depends on what you mean by that. Um, I mean, Power is a guy who I think leans heavily offensively, which is fine. I, 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 that's what I want him doing because that's where he's at his best, and already you can see that in the NHL. So I commend the Buffalo Sabers for like bringing him along to be. Um, uh, all I, I definitely commend them for sort of bringing him along to play that way a little bit more. Edmondson, I think, is a more stable sort of presence um, on the back end that I think bridges the gap between offense and defense pretty well, but power does have issues defensively, I think. And I think those issues are still there in the NHL. He's been, he's been doing okay, but, uh, offensively is where he's been doing really, really well in my view. Uh, is Chaz Lucius capable of being productive with NHL talent? Not right now. Uh, will his hockey IQ benefit from the better teammates? I don't think he's playing in the NHL next year. Like he played with really, really, really good college line, a really, really good college team. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I feel like he's headed for the WHL more than anything. I personally think, um, yeah. Arseny Gritsiuk or Kirill Marchenko? Kirill Marchenko every day. I love Kirill Marchenko and I think he could be really something. Uh, do I have anything on Misa? Is the CHL granting too many players exceptional status? Oh, and then there's a question came in. Is Michael Misa the next thing? So I don't think Misa is so good that he is the next thing. I watched some of the OHL Cup, uh, and he was playing in a few of the games that I saw. Um, I can't say I've been, like, super tied into the 16U world. I've been watching a bit more of it this year for uh, other reasons, um, personal reasons, but Misa is really good. I mean, I, I, I think that the fact that he's a year younger than a lot of the guys that are being drafted is a is a big deal and like that's important to keep in mind um I question how effective he'll be right away but he has a really good mind for offense a really impressive sort of pace of play skill level's pretty good as well um I honestly was a little surprised he got exceptional status but I don't know I don't I don't think they're offering it to too many players it's just a matter of um 
how much of an impact he'll be right away. I we'll see what happens. Um, but also the other thing to keep in mind for this year's OHL draft is there's quite a few players that are really good too, that are eligible for the exact same draft Misa is, which is the 2025 draft. Like a lot of guys born late 2006 that I really like, uh, Porter Martone is one of those. Um, uh, trying to think of, there's another one. Oh my goodness. But Porter Martone's the one that I keep thinking of. Um, but yeah, I mean, Misa, we'll see. I feel like in a year he'll be a lot better off based on the style of play that he plays. Um, but I wish him all the best of luck with Saginaw for sure. Uh, thoughts on Koromislav? I'm not a fan. I've seen him play a lot. I liked him last year, but I have not really thought much of him this season. Um, I haven't seen him in a while though, so maybe I should go check him out again. What in your mind would be the checklist to get into the Hockey Hall of Fame? Oh God. Um, hmm. It's so hard because I feel like it's sort of an individual basis, right? Because like some guys play their entire careers on bad NHL teams and really struggle to win Stanley Cups, but they have careers that I think are good enough to be at least in consideration. But, you know, some guys, I don't know, like I'm, uh, I, I wish that I could just say that there's a checklist, but I have, I mean, personally, I set a pretty high bar for the Hockey Hall of Fame. Like for me, me personally, like if I'm voting for someone to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame, like you've got to be literally like, we're going to immortalize you. You know, like Ryan Getzlaff, for example, would not be a guy that I'd vote for the Hockey Hall of Fame, right? Like he's in the Hockey Hall of Extremely Good, I would say. A Hockey Hall of, of a Hockey Hall of guy I want on my team, but a Hockey Hall of Fame, you know, I don't, yeah, that's a, that's a really, really high bar. And it really depends on the player and like evaluating their career. Cause there's a lot of context that goes into it in my view. Uh, speaking of guys who missed big chunks of the season, what's your assessment of Moldenhauer? I was kind of hoping that Moldenhauer would drive a little more play at the under 18s. Like he's, he was okay. Um, I have to go back and watch a little bit, uh, a little bit, uh, and, and, uh, of the U18s. And I want to watch more of him to see more. So I'll give you more of that in the discord server there, Brian. But, um, my assessment really smart kid, like just knows how to play the right way. And I don't mean that. in like, he plays the right way. Like I'm a hockey man, but I mean like he just, every single time he touches the puck, every single time he manages the puck, he just seems to be doing the right thing. You know, moving pucks up the ice. Well, drawing in pressure, diffusing pressure with his passing, just a really well-rounded, puck managing offensive player. Um, I don't think there's a huge amount of upside with him. I think he has a bit of a long ways to go, but he did miss a big chunk of the season. And I don't know at the under 18s, he's looked fine. Um, but I'll circle back and do more check with more, check out more on him. Uh, did I check out the NHLPA poll results? I did. I love when people get all riled up about those. I mean, look, I look at that and I go, yeah, you know what? Like, I think about it from the player's perspective. These guys play on one team. They play on a team with their with their teammates. They play, they are focused so much on how to win the next game and training themselves and playing the best version of their game. So I don't expect them to have an encyclopedic knowledge like a lot of fans do of every single player in the league and every single stat and every single this and that and this and that, right? Like they just are athletes, right? Like their job is to go out and win games. So their coach and their scouting staff or whatever, 
like their job is to do the pre-scout find out what works against the team that they're playing blah 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 and along the way over the years players will pick up oh yeah like these guys this guy's really hard to play against this goalie's really hard to beat this and this and this like i'm not surprised andre vasilevsky won hardest goaltender to beat um a few of them i found really really tough i mean like if you had to pick up one goalie in a, in a game or whatever carry price being on there obviously that's reputational right like literally last year he carried the montreal canadians to the stanley cup final and this year was really tough but that doesn't mean he's not carry price you know like yes if you're looking through the lens of literally right this second you know you you would expect people to say igor shesturkin more but the track record isn't there like some of the guys who voted on that might have played igor shesturkin twice in their career three times whereas some of them might have played carry price 20 times 15 times like 25 times so obviously they're gonna go i've seen way more of carry price and he has stonewalled me every goddamn time maybe in five years that'll be igor shesturkin because i will have played him 10 12 15 times but they don't i mean they might scroll twitter and like read people's takes and stuff but i don't think that they have the time or the energy or the i guess yeah just the time to like be on the same way, same wavelength as someone who watches four games at once or follows Twitter all day or whatever, like, like, like us, us trolls in the basements. Uh, I, I just, I don't think you can project that amount of knowledge onto people whose job it is, is to be in some of the most incredible shape of any human being on the planet and play this sport for a living and traveling all the time and doing team things. Um, so it's fun to watch. Um, but, and it's fun to read, uh, but it's just fun. I, I, it's fun seeing all the all the reactions from people about it. Uh, who would you draft at Montreal if you're one, two, or three? I mean, I guess Shane Wright, number one. If it's not number one, maybe Logan Cooley too. But again, like I, I listen to I listen to offers. I open the phone lines and go, hey, who wants who wants this pick? Right? Like, give me give me your best offer because I am willing to listen and don't be shy. <laughs> I'd be curious. I'd just be curious to see to see what people were offering. Uh, how valid are GTHL stats? Um, I don't know. Cause I don't know where to find them. I use Instat. I had to do some GTHL research this year. So I used Instat for that and did some data work on that side of things. And those, they have the video. You can go straight into the video to watch the, the stats where it comes from. And it seems pretty accurate there. So I think the GTHL has some teams on elite prospects and it seems roughly accurate, uh, to what I, what I have seen in my work. Uh, what do you think the players on, in the, on the NHL, all rookie team project into Peltier, Rathbone, Spence, Paterka, Quinn, and Wolf. So Wolf is a goalie. So I don't know. He's been great everywhere he goes. So sure. We'll say he could be an NHL goaltender. Sure. Uh, Jacob Peltier, I feel like could be a middle six, you know, aggressive physical winger. Um, he's got some skill too, but I feel like a lot of what he will bring to the game is, you know, that tenacity, that 200 foot game, that, that pace and, and intensity. Um, Jack Rathbone, I think maybe a bottom two pair offensive defenseman kind of guy. I don't know if he quarterbacks a power play, but maybe that same thing for Jordan Spence perfectly as well, but he's a lot younger. So maybe there's more runway to go with maybe a, maybe a second pair guy, but I, yeah, maybe second pair. Um, but probably somewhat similar to Rathbone. Paterka and Quinn, I think, could be top six guys. I personally like Paterka more. Um, 
just because of what he brings all over the ice. And I think he's a better play driver than Quinn, but Quinn is a better finisher. Quinn's a better scorer, right? Like if I want a guy on that all rookie team that's shooting pucks, it's going to be Jack Quinn. Um, but Paterka, I think is a guy that does a lot of heavy lifting. Um, um, there's a lot of heavy lifting going on there, uh, from Paterka, but Quinn has been very good as well this season. That's undeniable. And I think I would take him to finish. So they serve different roles, but I think both of those guys could be sort of top six, maybe second line, uh, offensive guys, at least for Quinn and Paterka, I think is a better 200 foot guy. Way too early say, but Misa or Bedard? Connor Bedard, 10 times out of 10. Uh, pretty confident on that. Thoughts on Lakaramaki? Uh, a really good shooter scares the bejesus out of me everywhere else. So if you're picking him at like 20, I'm all for it. Picking him at nine, God, God bless you. Uh, Malcolm Spence is the other one you're thinking of. Yes, that is very true. Thank you very much. Malcolm Spence is uh, Michael Misa's partner. Uh, partner in crime. Um... Thoughts on Aaron Kiviharju? A uh, bit of a coming out party for him for Finland this year. I mean, he's not the best skating defenseman you've ever seen, and that doesn't really shock me that, that people are seeing that now. But the skill and the brain that he has and the way he can read, play, and adapt on the fly is just well beyond his years. So he's got lots of time to improve on his skating, um, for sure, his quickness and everything. But I think that the manipulation ability for him and the skill level and the vision that he's got more than makes up for it. And that's where a lot of the upside comes for him, which I really, really enjoyed. Very similar in a way to like Rasmus Dahlin. Like that's the kind of guy that he reminds me of. And I love Rasmus Dahlin. So, so my hopes are high for, for Kivi Haru for sure. What is the most dominant performance you can think of from a player over a stretch of time, game, tournament, or season? And don't say Gretzky. Well, I'll, I won't say Gretzky because I wasn't really sentient for years where he was dominant. Um, Vincent LeCavalier had a first half of his season, and I forget what year it was, but he was on pace for like 160 points or something. It was insane in a time where guys weren't scoring a whole lot. And that was pretty incredible. Like, it was, like, on the news every day, like, keeping track of how much he was scoring. So that probably comes to mind right away. Um, Eric Lindros was just dominant, period, for a while. And I remember when I was really little watching him play and and just being a pain. Um, I mean, uh, what else? The, uh, Jack Hughes, or not Jack Hughes, Cole Caulfield at the under-18s was also pretty unstoppable that year. He scored, like, 14 goals. That was pretty unbelievable. Um, but in the NHL, Dominic Hasek as well, like, in his heyday, like, you want to talk about a stretch of time. Like, that guy, I remember watching, because I, I grew up in Toronto, right? So I watched a lot of Toronto, watched a lot of Buffalo, watched a lot of Montreal, watched a lot of Ottawa, I, Dominic Hasek was like a mutant. Like he, he was like the, he was, it was like the closest thing we're going to get to like the stretchy guy from, uh, the fantastic four playing goalie. Like he was unbelievable. You, you could not beat him. Uh, and if you did, you were lucky and just unbelievable for the time. Most goaltending around the nineties was not great and got better, but he was just way ahead. And so I would, I would say, I would say that he is certainly uh, <laughs> one of those guys that I remember watching and going, why can this guy not let pucks go by him for once? Like, please, for the love of God. Like, he just unbelievable. Yes, Mr. Fantastic. That is his name. Yes. 
How crazy would the hype be if Gretzky was in this generation? Do you think the pressure would have affected his career? No, because the pressure he got in his career was more than enough. Uh, people were following him around from when he was like nine, right? Like he was hot stuff, really young. That, that, that came out very wrong. He was, he had a tremendous amount of attention very early in his career and in his childhood. Um, and he was playing pro hockey at 17. The weight of the world was on his shoulders in Edmonton. Um, and they kept winning and winning and winning and winning. Um, so no, I don't think the pressure would have affected his career really. And it's also hard to say too, right? Like the social media aspect definitely changes things, but it's also impossible to estimate. Like it's such a drastic shift, but he had basically the equivalent of paparazzi in 1970s following him around constantly. So that's a lot of, relative to the age, that is a lot of pressure. Do you follow the Jays? I am a bandwagon Jays fan and I'm not ashamed to admit it. I will follow the Jays. Uh, once in a while, it's fun to watch in the summers. You just put a game on, let it run and make some lunch, have some, have a hot dog and, you know, a couple of beers, whatever. Like that's fun to, to do, but I'm not like a huge baseball fan. I'm a pitching nerd. I will admit that I, I love pitching ninja. I'm a huge John boy guy. I, I, I am a nerd for the, the news and following along with pitching and, and getting inside the world of pitching a lot. Um, just because that's always been something I'm interested in. But uh, am I a, am I a diehard Blue Jays fan? Like, sure, I won't cheer for any other MLB team, but uh, I will admit I am full-on bandwagon Jays. Uh, Jasmine Soroya, welcome back. Uh, who, what are your thoughts on Owen Van Steensel and Nick Svenenko? So I've only seen Svenenko in enough detail to really know, and I don't think there's much that I really like there, especially for a – I think he's an under un, a re-entry guy. Um, Van Steensel, I not, I need to see more of, so I'll, 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 I'll check him out. Uh, Van Steensel, Van Steensel, Van Steensel. Oh, I closed it. Why did I close that? Um, okay. Uh, Andrew, what's up? Uh, and just to clarify, you think Russia's political issues are going to scare teams away from drafting Russian players, even a guy like Michkov. I thought teams might separate the art from the artist. It's not so much about the fact that it's the issues themselves and teams are scared away from those issues. It's what those issues create, right? Like Russia could pass a law in the next three months, for all we know, that literally bans Russians from leaving the country. And then you literally cannot draft Matvey Michkov. You literally do not have that option. The problem, especially with, you know, like it's it's like, you as an NHL team an NHL draft pick it's not a video game like it's not a game it's your job you can't you if if there is any sort of risk that a player will not be able to or be too scared to leave Russia that is enough of a risk where teams will go why would I draft this player like especially with a guy like Michkov where it's like maybe you're third overall you could draft Michkov and I don't know, maybe he leaves Russia somehow, maybe. But it seems like Russia is making it much more difficult to leave. And they are also making it... I don't know how much Russian TV people are watching, but they're making it really insulated. They're really trying to brainwash the people that live there that they will never, ever want to leave. So I just... 
I don't know. Like, I wonder how many Russian players that are 16, 17 years old right now will be part of this and go, why would I leave Russia to go to the fascist West? Why would I do that? I'm not leaving. I'm going to stay in Russia. You know, that's probably not the right decision, but I can see how that might happen, especially judging by the social media. Like Russia has cut themselves off from a lot of social media and have created their own replacements. God only knows what effects that's going to have, you know, like, so it's not so much that the issues are going to scare them away because the players just aren't good. And for the time being, I'm evaluating players as if nothing were wrong, but I fully admit, like, Gleb Trikozov is ranked 7 on my board. I'm not drafting him at 7. There's no way I'm drafting him at 7. If he's there at, like, 37, then I would do it and just hold on to his rights, and when he's 24, or when this all blows over, or when there's, you know, when it, it, unless he comes to me and is like, I want to leave, like, right now. I, if you if you give me an entry level contract or something, I'll leave and 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 come over right away. Then sure, like that's a whole other discussion. But in terms of what I know and what I can see, I'm certainly not drafting him that high, uh, because the uncertainty around what happens with him and any Russian player over the next little while is just way too huge. So it's tough. Um. Arrakis Warrior, hello. Uh, hope you're doing well. Wondering if your thoughts on Jeremy Longlois and Nick Svenenko. Uh, Longlois, I'm not a huge fan. Like, he's got hands. He pushes offensively really hard. But his game isn't very well-rounded. And Fenenko, I just didn't see much that really moved the needle for me. I, I need to look at him again. But every time I've watched him, I just haven't seen a ton that, that has really moved the needle for me on Fenenko. And, and Longlois, I can see how he scores so much. But I don't think it really projects super well. Uh, I haven't really watched much of Brad Lambert this season, but I was wondering what you think about his hockey sense, and do you think he will play center in the NHL? Also, thoughts on Marco Casper. So, I know people talk a lot about his hockey sense, and I feel like in his situation, yes, there are certain areas of the game that I think he could process a little bit better. Sometimes there are plays that just form right in front of his eyes, and he ignores them looking for better looks, and, and I just think that you can skate yourself into a lot of trouble doing that. I want him playing center. I think he's far less effective on the wing. He needs the space and the freedom to roam and, and drive up the middle of the ice with space and challenge defenders. Um, and, and, you know, just he's a guy that should be all over the ice all the time. So I would want him to play center. And I think I think a lot of the, like, again, like a lot of the problems I think with him are he's not playing with players that are conducive to his playing style. And I think that creates a lot of these sort of hockey sense problems that people are talking about. When I look at him play, I don't see players that can keep up with him. Like his line mates this year, the best ones he's played with were Jerry Turkalainen for a stretch, and and he they did pretty well together. Uh, and in, with Pelicans, he's playing with, uh, I can't remember the names off the top of my head, but like they're mediocre Liga players. Like they're, they're middle six Liga players. And he's not gonna drive much play playing with those types of players. I don't know. And he's not playing that many minutes. The 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 defense in in the Liga is also just terrible breaking pucks out when I see him playing with them. Um it's just it's weird. It's a weird case. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think the hockey sense concerns are getting conflated with issues that aren't his, even if there are some issues that are problematic. Like I saw some problems early in the year and later last year that I felt were problematic for sure. 
but they kind of have gone away. Like I saw a lot of times where he'd carry pucks up the ice and before entering the offensive zone, he'd drop pucks back at center ice and there's no one there. There's just nobody there. He's looking for the fancy play and there's no one there to support him. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah. And what do I think of Casper? Uh, I've thought less and less of him as time goes on. Maybe a bottom six center one day. Like he's smart, both ends, meat and potatoes hockey player, but not particularly a massive upside guy. Um, who has stood out the most for you with the U18s thus far? Adam Fantilli and Connor Bedard, for sure. Noah Osland, I think, has also stood out a lot, for sure. Spence scoring 29 goals in 28 games in the GTHL is ridiculous. Yes, it is. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, he'll, he's, as far as I know, he's going second overall, I, as far as I know. Assuming the Devils are picking fifth, should they try to trade the pick? And do you think that what they did, what do they get for it? Is Debrinket a reasonable ask? You're not getting Alex Debrinket for fifth overall, I don't think. Uh, and I don't know why Chicago would trade Alex Debrinket. It doesn't make sense. You're probably trading down for the fifth overall pick. You're probably trading down. If Detroit, if the, if the Devils could add like a top end defenseman for that pick, then I might think about it. Like the Devils landing a David Juracek would be an interesting pickup as well. So. But if they try to trade the pick, I'd try. I'd either you'd pr you'd probably be looking at a trade down scenario, unless someone like a Timo Meyer is available, and then maybe you go and aim high and try to do that. Assuming the Devils are picking fifth, should they try to trade the pick? And what do you? Oh, that wow! What is the most underrated? Who's the most underrated player in twenty twenty two, and why is it Dylan James? Oh, Dylan Galloway, toe in the company line, uh, coming in here, spreading his Sioux City Musketeers propaganda. Um, but yeah, I, dude, I love Dylan James. I think he's great. Uh, he's on my list in my third round. Um, tons and tons of fun to watch. Uh, yeah, he is on my list. 89 third round. Um, definitely one of the more underrated players in the draft. Don't hear a lot said about him, but yeah, he's legit. I like him quite a bit. Um, thoughts on Bobby Orr. Terrible. Just the worst. Uh, no, I love Bobby Orr. I never, I mean, obviously I never watched him play. Um, but from what I hear, he was a good hockey player. <laughs> What's your favorite team? My favorite team are all the teams that my favorite players go to over the years. That's my favorite team. Uh, Jeff Merrick said it best. I don't cheer for teams anymore. I cheer for players. And I know exactly the players that I cheer for. Uh, why not Lambert to the U18s? Cause he is too old. Uh, the only players eligible for the U18s are players that are under 18 in the year where like that you're in. So he was born in 2003, but 2004 onwards are eligible for the U18s. But Brad Lambert was at the 420, uh, 420 at the under 20, uh, four nations cup, the four nations under 20 cup. Um, that's where Brad Lambert went recently and played pretty well from what I saw. Could Gleb end up going really late like Kaprizov? Yes. Um, if a French Canadian NHL player, if the, if the French Canadian NHL players got their own Olympic teams, how do you think their chances are? And will you be supporting them from Ontario? No, I wouldn't because I'm not from Quebec. Uh, so of course not. Um, uh, but I don't know. I don't think they would, I, I don't know. I feel like Western Canada and Ontario would kind of overwhelm them personally. Like who are the French Canadian defensemen? Who are they? There's not that many. Right, like Sam Gerrard is on that team, but I get the feeling that the U that the that the rest of Canada could 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 have a heyday. Uh, do I watch last question of the night, and then I'm going to take off? But do I watch the NFL? No, I don't. I watch playoff football because I love it. 
Um, I, I, I love, I love playoff sports period. Like I'll watch any sport in the playoffs. Um, but the NFL, I'll definitely watch in the playoffs. Cause I love the sort of tactical side of it. I watch any NFL YouTube channels. Like Brett Coleman is a guy who I take a lot of inspiration from. Uh, and he has a great YouTube channel that if you haven't seen, you should check it out. Um, but I don't, I don't religiously follow the NFL really. I, I don't, I have a hard time with it. Um, but I watch playoff football for sure. Uh, anyway, that's going to be it for tonight. Thank you very much. I appreciate the patience for the late start. Uh, next week we'll be back same time, same place. Um, it's also a busy night in sports. So I appreciate you all taking time to hang out with me and, and, and chill out here. Um, another Alex McGillney situation like Russia with Gleb, maybe, maybe. Um, but I'm, I, I don't know. I have no insight into that. Um, but anyway, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, there will be scouting reports coming in the next week. Uh, if you liked it, you can click everything below me, check all the links out. If you want to join the Patreon or the YouTube membership program, please do so. If you do join the YouTube membership program, a reminder, please, please email me, uh, at scouching at gmail.ca or scouching at gmail.com. Uh, and I'll need that to get your, get your, uh, get your account set up. Is there a schedule for live streams? Literally every Thursday night at 8 PM. Uh, you can, you can check them out. I think moving forward, I'm going to leave Twitch behind and schedule these in advance. Um, because that felt like a lot easier to do. Uh, and I just wasn't getting much traffic on Twitch anyway. So if you are a Twitch viewer, uh, my apologies, but I don't think it makes much sense to keep going. it. I will do Twitch streams the week of the draft. Um, as well for sure because i have that whole week off and i'll be around so we'll do some stuff on twitch that's gaming related and just sort of kick back and and and, and do that kind of thing that's interactive and it'll be fun um but for now i think i'll keep the youtube streams or the streams just to youtube because it's way easier to schedule them and so for andrew that you never you never have that issue again um <laughs> is ryan chesley the safest back end first round pick no uh who's my favorite canuck Elias Pedersen. Anyway, that's it. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, have a great week, guys and gals. Uh, stay safe, and I'll see you next Thursday night at 8 p.m. All right. Eastern time, that is.